When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Today, we begin the Unfinished Tales, for real. Last week, we did a little intro, but today... We are diving into the story of Tour and his coming to Gondolin. Now, I have been debating for weeks the best way to handle diving into some of these stories that we have already heard about in the Silmarillion, and yet we have a slightly different version here in the Unfinished Tales. I've come up with a few different ways to handle this. And I think I finally settled on exactly what we're going to do. At first, I thought, you know, we could take each of these texts side by side, look at the similarities and differences as we go down each of the texts. But the more I prepared to do that, the more meticulous and although technically interesting, it didn't really create a story the way that I like to tell these stories. There's too many subtle, minor differences that would pull you out of experiencing the story in the way that I think Tolkien and Christopher Tolkien would like us to experience the story. And I say this for one major reason. When the story of Tour was taken and placed into the Silmarillion, it was truncated. It was shortened and the tone of it was even adjusted in order to fit into the greater narrative. What we have here in the unfinished tales reads more like a novel. That's the experience. That is the reason why J.R.R. Tolkien rewrote this in the 1950s. It's the reason why Christopher Tolkien wanted to include this version, even though some of the threads don't wrap up, we don't get to the fall of Gondolin, all of that toward the end of the story. But the story itself can stand on its own in a way where it is written to be read more like a novel. And I think that is the best way to actually experience this. So here's the plan. We're going to start with this episode with a lot of the portions of the actual text. I'm, I'm going to read through it in order for you to get the tone and the feeling of it. And of course, I can't read every single piece of it, but we will read large portions and then take those apart and look at the differences between this text and the other text and some of the details that are worth pointing out like we usually do. And for sure, you're going to notice that this seems very similar to the story that you've heard before, but you're also going to notice some differences. And most of all, I hope that the overall experience is enjoyable. 
And one more thing before we dive in, just a reminder about who Tour is. Tour is the son of Hur. Hur and Hurin are brothers. They are two of the men who fight alongside the elves in one of the major climactic battles of the First Age. Together they hold the line during the Narniath Arnoidiad. They are noble men who are valorant and brave. Hur dies. Hurin gets captured. Hurin's children include Turin. Turin and Tur are cousins, and their two stories are very similar and yet very different. So without further ado, of Tur and his coming to Gondolin. Rian, wife of Hur, dwelt with the people of the house of Hador. But when rumor came to Dor Loman of the Narniath Arnoidiad, and yet she could hear no news of her lord, she became distraught and wandered forth into the wild alone. There she would have perished, but the gray elves came to her aid. For there was a dwelling of this people in the mountains westward of Lake Mithrim, and thither they led her, and she was there delivered of a son before the end of the year of lamentation. And Rian said to the elves, Let him be called Tur, for that name his father chose, ere war came between us. And I beg of you to foster him and to keep him hidden in your care, for I forebode that great good, for elves and men shall come from him. But I must go in search of Hur, my lord. Then the elves pitied her. But one, a nail, who alone of all that went to war from that people had returned from the Narniath, said to her, Alas, lady, it is known now that Hur fell at the side of Hurin, his brother, and he lies, I deem, in the great hill of slain that the orcs have raised upon the field of battle. Now let's pause here for a moment. In the intro of this, we have some familiar things. Dorloman, the home of these people. This comes up a lot in the stories of Tur and Turin. The Grey Elves, this is similar in the original story as well, but we have actual characters here a nail, and the actual elves who are reporting what happened in the battle. We get this perspective from them, looking at the acts of the Noldor, these other elves, and their conflict with Morgoth. The story continues. Therefore Rian arose and left the dwelling of the elves, and she passed through the land of Mithrim, and came at last to the Hodden Nedengen, which has a strange spelling. It's spelled H-A-U-D-H-E-N-N-D-E-N-G-I-N. And this very strange word means basically the hill that was created from the corpses of the dead. 
It goes on, in the waste of Anfoglith. And there she laid her down and died. But the elves cared for the infant son of Hur, and Tur grew up among them. And he was fair of face and golden-haired after the manner of his father's kin. Now remember that Hur was descended from both houses of Hador and Halith. Hador were known for being blonde, so that's probably where he gets the blonde from, and thus Tur as well. And he became strong and tall and valiant, and being fostered by the elves, he had lore and skill no less than the princes of the Edain, ere ruin came upon the north. But with the passing of the years, the life of the former folk of Hithlam, such as still remained, elves and men, became even harder and more perilous. For as is elsewhere told, Morgoth broke his pledges to the Easterlings that had served him, and he denied to them the rich lands of Beleriand, which they had coveted, and bedrove away these evil folk into Hithlam, and there commanded them to dwell. Notice the details in this. We know about these evil men taking up residence in Hithlam, taking control of these people and ruling over them. The story was told in the Silmarillion, and a few different times it's brought up. Here we get more details. And though they loved Morgoth no longer, they served him still in fear and hated all the elven folk, and they despised the remnant of the house of Hador, the aged and the women and the children for the most part. And they oppressed them and wedded their women by force and took their lands and goods and enslaved their children. Orcs came and went about the lands as they would, pursuing the lingering elves into the fastness of the mountains and taking many captives to the mines of Angband to labor as the thralls of Morgoth. Notice the details here. The way this is told, the tone is more dynamic and more involved. It's a little bit more zoomed in compared to what we got in the Silmarillion. And then we get more details about the Grey Elves. Therefore, Anael led his small people to the caves of Androth, and there they lived a hard and wary life until Tuor was 16 years of age and was become strong and able to wield arms, the axe and bow of the Grey Elves. And his heart grew hot within him at the tale of the griefs of his people. And he wished to go forth and avenge them on the orcs and the Easterlings. But Anael forbade this. Far hence I deem your doom lies, Tuor, son of Hur, he said. And this land shall not be freed from the shadow of Morgoth until Thangorodrim itself be overthrown. Therefore we are resolved at last to forsake it and to depart into the south. And with us, you shall go. Notice we have a character here with foresight. This is that uh, Elrond sort of situation where he proclaims, I know where your doom lies. 
we already have the stakes of that setup in the story. We also have the proclaiming of a time when Morgoth would be overthrown and what that will take and how that seems impossible. And I love how in this version, it's coming from a person, a nail. But how shall we escape the net of our enemies, said Tor, for the marching of so many together will surely be marked. We shall not march through the land openly, said Anael, and if our fortune is good, we shall come to the secret way, which we call Anan in Gilith, the gate of the Noldor, for it was made by the skill of that people long ago in the days of Turgon. At that name, Tour was stirred, though he knew not why, and he questioned Anael concerning Turgon. He is the son of Fingolfin, said Anael, and is now accounted High King of the Noldor since the fall of Fingon, for he lives yet most feared by the foes of Morgoth, and he escaped from the ruin of the Narniath, when Hurin of Dorloman and Hur, your father, held the passes of Syrian behind him. I love that we're getting these details here. He is being pulled into the story of who he is and how that's connected to the high king of the Noldor himself. And we're also given this mystery. Then I shall go and seek Turgon, said Tuor, for surely he will lend me aid for my father's sake. That you cannot, said Anael. For his stronghold is hidden from the eyes of elves and men, and we know not where it stands. Of the Noldor some, maybe, know the way thither, but they will speak of it to none. Yet if you would have speech with them, then come with me, as I bid you. For in the far havens of the south, you may meet the wanderers from the hidden kingdom. I love how this is set up here. We are given a perspective of Tour. He's a young man. He's ready to basically stand up for the things that have been wronged in his life. The death of his father, these enemies all around him. He's brave. He's willing to go to whatever ends he needs to in order to find some sort of justice. We're also shown this distinct difference between the elves. We have these gray elves who seem like good people who are raising Tour, who are going out of their way to take care of him, to keep him safe. But they are not the Noldor. They are not the people of the High King. So they don't know where they exist. They don't know where they live. They are not connected to them in the same way. There's a distinct strata of elves. And even they talk about King Turgon as if he comes from this ancient time and these important events from the past. And we're set up with a problem and a direction. We know already Tour's goal and where the story might take him. But the question remains, how do these other peoples play into it? And what else is going to happen along the way?
So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. We have a new patron to welcome, Lauren T. Welcome to the Patreon. I'm so glad that you decided to join us. I hope you were enjoying all the different stuff you can get from the Patreon, the ad-free episodes, and the bonus episodes. And of course, if you sign up at the uh, VIP patron level, then you get t-shirts and things too. And I have to shout out all of those people here. Let's get through it as quick as I can. AK Music Lover, Anakin S, Apollo, Aragorn III, Austin C., Azzle Razzle, Barney D, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brandy D, Chewbacca, Cutter Metalworks, Darth Feanor, David S, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcrum, Gemma D, Jesse P, Kes- Kate L, oh, I was getting so close to getting through it, uh, Katie S, Capenna 009, Lori B, Nick K, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Peace Lutheran Church, Sam B, Sauron for Life, Swiggy Swoot, TJT, Tour Son of Whore, hey, we're telling your story, Tyler M, thank you so much for your support, and to everybody who supports the show, all 174 of you currently, thank you so very, very, very much. I'm so glad that you're here. I hope you were enjoying our diving into the unfinished tales. Also, we have a new review that came in this last week from none other than Sam Wise, the gardener from Great Britain. That's amazing. Who writes stacked lore. This is a great podcast for any Lord of the Rings fans. Robots is a great presenter slash narrator and clearly knows his stuff. I've managed to get my cousin listening as well as he is a massive fan like me. Well, thanks, Samwise. That's awesome. Just a reminder, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it out on the future episode somewhere. And then if you decide to rate the show on Spotify, that's also extremely helpful. Plus, you know, sharing it with your friends, things like that. All of that is super helpful. And I hope you're enjoying this diving into a different perspective of Tour's story. And we've got more to talk about. So here, let's get back to it. So 
So just like in the version in the Silmarillion, they decide to head to the south. They decide to leave. Thus it came to pass that the elves forsook the caves of Androth, and Tuer went with them. But their enemies kept watch upon their dwellings, and soon were aware of their march. And they had not gone far from the hills into the plain before they were assailed by a great force of orcs and Easterlings. And they were scattered far and wide, fleeing into the gathering night. But Tour's heart was kindled with the fire of battle, and he would not flee. But boy as he was, he wielded the axe as his father before him, and for long he stood his ground and slew many that assailed him. But at the last, he was overwhelmed and taken captive and led before Lorgon, the Easterling. Remember this? The guy who ends up in charge of all the people of Dor Lomen? Now this Lorgan was held the chieftain of the Easterlings and claimed to rule all Dor Lomen as a fief under Morgoth. And he took Tuor to be his slave. Hard and bitter was his life, for it pleased Lorgan to treat Tuor the more evilly as he was of the kin of the former lords. And he sought to break, if he could, the pride of the house of Hador. But Tuor saw wisdom and endured all pains and taunts with watchful patience, so that in time his lot was somewhat lightened. And at the least, he was not starved, as were many of Lorgan's unhappy thralls. For he was strong and skillful, and Lorgan fed his beasts of burden well, while they were young and could work. This perspective here is also different. Yes, we know in the original story that Tour works and he does a good job and he's able to, I guess, carry the weight of being a slave with a certain level of honor and he keeps his head up, I guess is a good way to say that. But in this version, we get this description about Lorgan who feeds his beasts of burden well. This idea that he was keeping him strong because he did work and that was valuable to Lorgan. But after three years of thraldom, Tour saw at last a chance of escape. He was come now almost to his full stature, taller and swifter than any of the Easterlings. And being sent with other thralls on an errand of labor into the woods, he turned suddenly on the guards and slew them with an axe and fled into the hills. The Easterlings hunted him with dogs, but without avail. For well nigh all the hounds of Lorgan were his friends. And I love this detail because this is something missing from the original story as well. We're told that he escapes, but we're not told about how he escapes. In this version, he's friends with the dogs. He's treated them well. He's probably shared his food with them. And dogs in Tolkien's works, think about our bestest boy, Huan. Dogs are noble creatures. You treat them well, they treat you well. If they came upon him, they would fawn upon him and then run homeward at his command. Thus he came back at last to the caves of Androth 
and dwelt there alone. And for four years he was an outlaw in the land of his fathers, grim and solitary. Imagine that. Between the ages of 16 and 20, he was living on his own, surviving in the wilds with people and orcs looking for him. And he could hold his own. This story definitely has similarities to Turin's. His name was feared, and he went often abroad and slew many of the Easterlings that he came upon. Then they set a great price upon his head, but they did not dare to come to his hiding place, even with strength of men, for they feared the elven folk and shunned the caves where they had dwelt. Yet it is said that Tour's journeys were not made for the purpose of vengeance. Rather, he sought ever for the gate of the Noldor, of which a nail had spoken. But he found it not, for he knew not where to look. And such as few of the elves as lingered still in the mountains had not heard of it. I love that this perspective is given to us here. That it's not really about vengeance. He's not seeking these people out and killing them because he's seeking vengeance so much as he's protecting himself while he searches for the gate of the Noldor. He's looking for a way into Gondolin. He needs to get a hold of Turgon. At this young age, he has but one goal, and he knows what that is. But he also knows that he can't do this forever. Now, Tour knew that, though fortune still favored him. Yet in the end, the days of an outlaw are numbered and are ever few and without hope. This feels almost like a direct jab at Turin's life decisions. Nor was he willing to live thus forever, a wild man in the houseless hills, and his heart urged him ever to great deeds. Herein, it is said, the power of Ulmo was shown, for he gathered tidings of all that passed in Beleriand, and every stream that flowed from Middle-earth to the great sea was to him a messenger, both to and fro. And he remained also in friendship, as of old, with Círdan and the shipwrights at the mouths of Syrian. Now imagine you were reading this, and you hadn't read any of the Silmarillion, and maybe you had read the Lord of the Rings, but you hadn't really, you know, memorized every character that was named because Círdan is kind of a very minor reference in those stories. How would you know who these people are? Olmo? Who is Olmo? Power the sea? These rivers? What? What is an Olmo? <laughs> and Círdan, who is he? Is he an elf? Is he a man? What's going on with that? It's not described here. Here, listen to how this next part is described. And at this time, most of all, Ulmo gave heed to the fates of the house of Hador. For in his deep counsels, he purposed that they should play great part in his design for the succor of the exiles. And he knew well of the plight of Tour, for Enel and many of his folk had indeed escaped from Dor Loman and came at last to Círdan in the far south. Thus it came to pass that on a day, in the beginning of the year, twenty and three since Narniath, Tour sat by a spring 
that trickled forth near to the door of a cave where he dwelt. And he looked out westward towards the cloudy sunset. Then suddenly it came into his heart that he would wait no longer, but would arise and go. I will leave now the gray land of my kin that are no more, he cried, and I will go in search of my doom. But whither shall I turn? Long have I sought the gate and found it not. Then he took up harp, which he bore ever with him, being skilled in playing upon its strings, and heedless of the peril of his clear voice alone in the waste, he sang an elven song of the north for the uplifting of hearts. And even as he sang, the well at his feet began to boil with great increase of water, and it overflowed, and a rill ran noisily down the rocky hillside before him. And Tour took this as a sign, and he arose at once and followed it. Thus he came down from the tall hills of Mithrim and passed into the northward plain of Dorloman. And ever the stream grew as he followed it westward, until after three days he could descry in the west the long gray rides of Arid Loman, that in those regions marched north and south, fencing off the far coastlands of the western shores. To those hills, in all their journeys, Tour had never come. Now we know in the Silmarillion story that Ulmo plays a major part in guiding Tour and in reaching out to many individuals and kind of trying to help them out in a way that many of the Valar don't. This particular detail here I find very interesting because it is not just coming across Ulmo and the whispering of some sort of, I don't know, something that stirs the heart and sends them in a direction. Or the flip side of that, Olmo rising out of the sea and talking to them and saying, this is what you need to do, and whatever. Instead, you end up with this magical situation. And notice that it's tied to the Song of Elves. Words, remember, in the magic of Tolkien are powerful. Gandalf proclaims the way he wants things to be, the way he wants reality to be. You shall not pass. The words themselves contain power in them. So too do songs. This song was an elven song made to lift hearts and possibly to give them guidance. Isn't that what you need when you need your heart lifted? Is that you need guidance towards the things that will bring you peace? That will bring you happiness again? And in response, we have water. The song didn't make the water bubble up and pour out and create a flow of water that gives a direction to the sea. Ulmo hears the song, and it's a combination of this magical tune and Ulmo knowing that this is the right time to give tour guidance and doing it in such a subtle but yet 
clear way. The water bubbles up. It flows down the hill in a direction. And so Tour doesn't have anything else to guide him. So he follows it. One last piece before we wrap this up. Words are important in the magic of Tolkien because in ancient times, if you were somebody who could read words, who could recite words, you were wise. Those words had power and you were set apart from other people because most people couldn't read. Same too was music. Not everybody could play an instrument. Not everybody could sing with a practiced and measured voice. So those among your tribe who could were wielding a power that other people didn't have. In our world of being able to read everything on the internet, we read so many words every day. We listen to so much music. There's music constantly playing behind our realities, whether it's driving in a car, walking through a department store, being in an office, there is music everywhere. But in these times, music and the reading of words were magic. I hope you're enjoying this retelling of tour story in more detail. I'm excited to move into the next section next week, and I will see you soon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.